Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. And welcome. Um, it's it's been a few months. It's been several months. It's um, I'm Thomas. I'm Shaggy. And the reason why, why I've been absent is I took on a side job. Um, basically, I, I, I was a glorified proofreader for a local tax business um, that helped people prepare tax returns, e-file them, etc. And suffice it to say, you know, at, you know, I didn't you know, see all the nitty gritty of certain things, but just enough to understand there's a reason why professionals exist. Um, <laughs> good grief. Um, but, but, um, you, you, you've kind of gone through a different transition at your place of work. Instead of enclosed cubicles, you can physically see the person next to you. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's an open room environment. So it's, it's, since I'm on an agile team, I'm, the, the team I'm on is kind of embedded in the team that I'm on. So if, if you understand my, what I'm saying, I was on the payment services team, and then there's a billing team with inside inside the payment services team. So I'm on both of those teams now, not just the payment services team. And primarily, I'm supporting the development of this new application for this project that Shelter Insurance is working on, something they call uh, Say Insurance, which is going to be like a new company or something like that. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that or not. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, we're using a lot of newer technologies, which is pretty fun. Uh, I got 16 gigs of RAM on the machine finally, so now that way I'm not running out of RAM every time I have a million things open. I have like 20. I used to never like to have many Chrome tabs open, and now I have like this afternoon I counted 40 Chrome tabs. Oh, why? <laughs> and Chrome, Chrome itself is probably using probably a gig and a half of RAM. And, um, uh, we're also using intelligence of Eclipse, which is really nice. Intelligence is much more intelligent about uh, keyword intelligence. Uh, much more intelligent about how it's handling its uh, some of its processes. So, like uh, uh, handling version versioned uh, code. If you're doing a, uh, a commit, or if you're pulling down code from some repository or something. It's a lot easier with IntelliJ to pull it and merge it and everything. It does a lot of these things on the fly right for you instead of when Eclipse. It's a little bit more choppy and clunky. I blame IBM. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, um, on my birthday, towards my birthday, um, Thanks to my dad. He had no idea what I was into nowadays. I said, well, this is the type of stuff that I like looking at nowadays. Um, and I got, you know, this for those who are watching on the YouTube channel, the Raspberry Pi 3. Um, I got like the ultimate kit from uh, what, the, what it's their name again. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Network 14. No, it was a different one. It starts with a C. Um, 
I'm not familiar with that. But um, they they sell a bunch of other stuff too for embedded type stuff. Um, but they included a Raspberry Pi three, the S micro SD card, which is already in here, the little case, the the uh, power supply, HDMI cable, uh, an LED kit basically to program, a breakout board, that sort of thing. So in case you want to, you know, do some, you know, LED setup and programming, just to practice. Um, I haven't, I haven't, for obvious reason, I, I hadn't had a chance to set it up yet. Uh, but um, between 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 the seasonal work and uh, you know. The special lady in my life, uh, kind of, and and other things. I kind of been well preoccupied, so um, um, I I may even try, but I may even try Windows 10 IoT Core on it. I haven't decided yet. I'll definitely do a. I'll definitely have a. Linux distribution running on on this on a regular basis, so because I'm I'm more interested in the workstation X aspect of things than anything else, and and, and the fact that it has four USB ports on it is awesome. So four freaking ports, so. Oh and oh and I have dual monitors set up on my main workstation now. So um I haven't set up all the monitors yet. I may, I may set up a third monitor on the system. I don't know if I don't know yet. I don't know if my power supply can handle it. Um it's only 300 watts. Uh, usually the monitors don't make too much of a big difference. Um, as long as it's not like my my monitor uses usually draws about twenty watts. I think the this big fourteen forty p monitor that I have, the higher the resolution and the larger the screen size, that's gonna that's gonna play a very big factor in the uh, amount of power that it draws. Because it's gonna be the amount of um, pixels that are using power that are switching colors and stuff like that. And uh, so, and a lot of newer monitors are low power, basically lower power and have power saving features, ego features, some, some companies call them. So usually it's not too big of a deal. And uh, from the computer's perspective, it, it's not going to draw any power from the computer hardly at all, except for just some minimal amount for the signal to be changed. So it's wherever your, mon your monitors are actually plugged in, it's going to be drawing most of the power. Uh, I notice where it might be an issue is if, say, and this is mainly on the Windows side of things, because um, the local business I was with, the guy discovered the magic of uh, USB VGA adapters. Um, um, this one compresses video to where it kind of, you know, to where it, you know, shoots to another monitor. So you can have several monitors set up in theory, um, except 
you're drawing directly from a USB port if you're drawing from all of them. Well, <laughs> uh, needless to say, you know, one day his p- computer didn't power on anymore. And, you know, I, you know, I, the, the little power button thing um, kind of had an issue. So I had to take a sharp object and just push down on it. And lo and behold, for one second, it tried to come on and then it shut right back off. And I'm like, oh, his power supply might just be out. So, so, and hopefully it was just a dud and everything else. And as I suggested to him, you might, you might get a hub that plugs into a wall outlet so that you're not using all the power supply off your computer. Um, Cause, but, um, but yeah, the reason why I don't have the USB adapters is they cost about, you know, double digits per device. And it, and, and, and performance is, for regular office work, you know, you won't notice too much, but on it, when you start getting to higher end stuff, you can tell that that stuff's being done in software and except for on the main monitor and boom, it's just that. So, um, one of these days I'll get to experiment with display port cause you can daisy chain them. But other than that, I'm like, Nope, I'll just have more connections off of a video card directly. <laughs> oh, my monitor supports display port, but, and I have a display port cable, but I couldn't get it to work for some reason. Thankfully it supports that and HDMI. I don't understand. Why. Huh? I wasn't happy with display port. I even tried messing with physically changing the, uh, selecting the uh, protocol or port from the menu using the monitor, and that didn't help any. I'm not sure what was going on with that. <laughs> I, I, the the monitor on my right, um, it, I was, you know, I was in a Salvation Army store, the one in Warrensburg, and sure enough, they had they had the uh, combo deals for like 12 to 15, depending on what monitor we're talking about. It's, you know, LCD monitor and all that good stuff. So, so I got some good deals on that. Um, I had to fight just to get that thing on. And, and, and then of course I decided to, get adventurous and um, just do a fresh install of a beta of the new Ubuntu. So um, I'm still technically in their beta <laughs> at their moment as we speak. But uh, so far, NVIDIA drivers are working and multi-monitor is working. So uh, for the time being, I'm happy. So, uh, um, but some I just had to fight the other monitor a couple of times just to you know stay turned on and bam it turns on I'm like thank goodness 
So, um, that's, that's pretty much where I've been at so far. Um, except, except for maybe, um, this recently last week I got this and I didn't have, to, I didn't have to do a down payment and cause of where I'm at, I get, I can get a 20% discount on the phone bill. So, um, I, of course, am paying for the device monthly, but the first bill is horrible, but that's to be expected. Was your bill over $100 when you went to AT&T first time around? Uh, the first time around, it was around 80 something I think, 85 $84, $85, and then uh, it's finally dropped down to about 60 something a month. But I'm only paying for, I'm not paying for very much data. I'm only, I was originally on a... Uh, Three gig plan and uh, they doubled it from three gigs to six gigs. So I got six gigs every month plus whatever I roll over from the previous month. I mean, I don't use it too often, but it, it is nice. I do have LTE now. So that's, that's really handy. Like, like the last phone I have, well, I technically still have it with me. That number is still active till like the end of the month. Um, I had to do surgery on it basically to make sure that the SIM card didn't get loose with the contacts because that's why I was getting the SIM card errors. It was a design flaw on the part of ZTE. They messed up on that one. Um, didn't help that I put it in my pocket <laughs> uh, and it kind of warped a little, but, and and ironically, where where I work had the, had this available yet, and as you can see here, it's you know the the time I can do this, and then I can do this, and it shows the time still, which comes in handy. Nice. Yeah. Um, the battery is not removable, but on the top you can take out the SIM card and but and put or that's where you SIM card stored, but micro SD card is stored there as well. I'm probably going to get a new uh, micro SD card and I'm not going to adopt it as internal storage because um, that would degrade performance of the phone. I just would like additional storage for pictures and things like that. Um, today I ordered an otter box for it because I called everywhere I could think of in town and they're like, we don't have any S seven cases. The ones, the ones that Walmart did have initially, they, they didn't move quick too quickly, but they moved. They're gone now. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I just ordered an otter box defender with, and added the little, um, you know, belt clip to it so that belt holster so I can keep it on my person because I use I use Walmart Pay now and that's convenient. Have you seen that yet? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't messed with it yet. Um, basically, it requires a Walmart.com account. You you sign up for it. You assign a form of payment 
associates can add their discount cards to it by going to a certain web address and entering the necessary information. Um, and, and it attaches that to your Walmart account. And Walmart Pay, you set up a pen for your device. When you go to finish and pay, whether it's a self-check or a regular register, you go into Walmart Pay, you use your phone's camera to scan a QR code. You don't, it's, this isn't uh, Google Pay or Apple Pay where NFC is used. Um, actually, I think it's more secure. Using just the QR code? Yeah. I might be a little bit better doing that. And then if the cashier on their end has to hit the appropriate button, no receipt is printed. You get an e-receipt. You can go on your merry way, you know, unless you have insufficient funds or or something's messed up with your payment selection type. And bam, you're you're on your merry way. Uh, it's con- it's so now I in theory don't have to pull my wallet out and fumble with things. Um, so I was one of the few that tried it, and some of the old some of the veteran cashiers aren't necessarily may not necessarily be a fan of it because it's just another thing that they have to learn, which I can understand that frustration. But um. But yeah, it's, you know, I plan on doing a lot with this. I've been very careful with it because I'm waiting on a case to come in. I'll clean the screen off before I put the case on, all that good stuff. But I kind of I kind of switched to Verizon for the same reason that you switched to AT&T. You need better coverage. Um like like you were, you were, you didn't, you said you had LTE even. Yeah, I have LTE now. I didn't originally. I had oh. just regular HSPA plus or whatever it was. Was that with Family Mobile or? Yeah, that was with Family Mobile. Wow. Yeah, that's, like, that's been about, see, I'm actually coming up on my year mark since I started working here at Shelter Insurance. Wow. So, it's been that long, at least. I'm too used to LTE now. I couldn't go back. I mean, I have latency every now and then where it just kind of, the network kind of just dies. It takes a few minutes for it to catch back up, and then it's just slightly fast again. But I'll take that over being just poor, crappy network. Yeah, because, like, um, um, like the the phone that I had was Straight Talk. While it used Verizon towers, the flaw aside, you're throttled to a lower speed. If there's high call volume, you're deprioritized. <laughs> and you know when you have to get a hold of family members because they need your help for something or some reason or another, uh, that's not a good thing. And and over the summer, I want to be able to do website-related stuff while I'm at lunch, and it's kind of hard doing it just off of a phone. I can turn this to a mobile hotspot and, boom, get to work on something, and 
and be done be done with it i'm on i'm on i'm on their medium three gig plan because i'm connected to wi-fi and my first bill is over 120 by the way it's i was just like oh this is no discounts applied yet well and you're paying you didn't pay but just did a down deposit on your phone right um, I only paid sales tax on the phone and thanks to the e-gift card for Walmart that I got through ScreenWise Trends panel, um, I only had to pay like a few cents out of pocket just for the sales tax. Really? So I was like, yes. Well, that's, that's where part of your monthly bill problem is coming from though. Because you'll have to you'll have to pay that device off over the course of your contract. Yeah, so you, I'm assuming you have a two year contract. Uh, no, no, they don't do uh, they don't do the traditional contracts anymore. Um, it's called like Verizon 24. You pay a little bit each month on your device, mm-hmm. and you pay it off. If you terminate your contract, you are due the entire balance of the phone. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that was the only option it showed for me, and and that was pretty much it. But um, I so and another reason, by the way, that I got like the S seven. I was going to just try the Note five, but I was like, you know what? I can stick with the Note 7 for now and be done with it, or the S7, be done with it, wait for a newer Note iteration to have expandable storage, because, yeah, I'm going to be a pain in the ass about that. Um, Because maybe we want to go through our pictures before we put them on the cloud. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't sound like something that's very user-friendly. uh, oh, and and this thing, um, I don't have it, you know, right here at the moment. It's on the other side of the room. Um, there's a little thing that you plug into the bottom of your phone, and you have a full USB port. Nice. I've got a little adapter somewhere, too. Uh-huh. Uh, adapter. I can put yeah. it into my phone, and it becomes a full-size USB port. Yep. Um, USB to go, which I saw all kinds of things you can do with it. You can plug a keyboard into it. Hell, you get the right adapter cable and add to your adapter. You can plug it into a television if you really wanted to. Um, it or or some some type of docking station that lets you attach a keyboard, mouse, and maybe a monitor or something. Um, possibilities are endless <laughs> like that is cool um, and and like I said I don't know what I'm going to do with the old phone once I may I may undo the surgery and try to go through the whole um, you know replacement plan thing and say look uh, this is a design flaw I've looked this up. This is a design flaw on the part of ZTE. Um, I don't have the original box for it anymore, but I have everything else. Um, 
I need my money back because this I had to switch different to different carriers because I am not dealing with this anymore just to see if I can get some of my money back from them yeah. for that phone. Because um, Straight Talk, they don't support updating the firmware for Android phones. Really? Yep. They will not do it. Um, oh. like, like that phone that I have, if you were to buy one now today off the shelf, it'll have a newer version of Android already on it. Huh. Yeah. That doesn't make sense at all. Um, it's laziness. And yeah, probably because they don't have a very large team to port their port Android to their particular product. I'd be willing to bet. And in reality, they could have the manufacturer do it for them, but who knows the reasoning behind it. Oh, I heard something. Yeah, I was checking this flash drive because I was, I was trying to read it from my phone. I think I might have formatted it in a particular way so I could, I could boot to it at one point. Oh, wow. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, this... This thing, that's why I'm using this little cheapy stylus thing so that my fingers touch that screen as little as possible. By the way, um, if you like remote control, New Team Viewer lets you control your Android phones remotely. Really? Yeah. There's an app called Android or um, Team Viewer Host that you install onto your phone. If it's, you open it up, it'll tell you to install an additional thing that's basically a module from the Google Play Store dependent upon your model of phone and if it's supported. So I've been able to, you know, remotely text, you know, well, it's technically texting from that phone or whatever, but I'm doing it remotely. It'll show you in the dashboard the CPU usage, the amount of RAM you're using. That is actually pretty wicked. Um, yep. You you can even hit a tab that's you know shows your apps installed and you can even hit uninstall on some of them. So really? Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was like, that is so cool. And it even supports Chrome OS now. So you you can add it to Chrome and from there it's uh, um, it's pretty amazing. So I'm, and the battery on this charges fast. But if you're not careful with what you do, it will drain pretty quickly. So it, but it's a high-end Samsung. That's to be expected. It has the power save mode to where you can. It turns a bunch of stuff off, leaves essential apps available on a simplified screen, black and white, grayscale, basically. And it'll last a very long time. So, huh. so it's... And your screen is bigger than mine, which I get to have screen envy again, but that's okay. You mean my phone screen? Yes, it's bigger this, than mine. How big is the S S seven? Five point two. 
Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, mine's a little bit bigger. It's a 5.5 inch screen. Yep. I, I've been looking. Uh, the The next phone that I might get, I don't know. I think I'm going to go back to a Sony phone again, just because I love the design of Sony's phones. Minimalistic, and, and when it comes to the UI and everything else that gets installed, they have a few specific things, but it's it's fairly minimal. But the uh, they have one called the Sony Xperia Z5 Premium, which has a 4K screen on it. It's uh, what Sony calls a 4K triluminous display, and it's able to scale, upscale photos to 4K, photos and videos to 4K. That is insane. It's absolutely ridiculous and not, not very practical, but I still want it. I still want it. No, that, that's, that's pretty much insane, um, but pretty cool. But, oh, and th this is running the latest Android that's available. So you're running in 6.0? Marshmallow, uh, Marshmallow, actually. I'm yeah, 6.0. Yep. Um, like the first thing that happened when I brought it home, it said, "Hey, you have a you have an update for it." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, because I, I check for a new update it every now and then, and it'll say it's already as up to date as it's going to get. Um, 6.0.1 Android security patch level February 1st, 2016. Nice. So, I get, uh, I get security patches, but I'm, st I'm still stuck on 5.0. Um, and part of the re you know, part of the reason why I'm a big stickler about okay updates for firmware is because of the whole stage fright vulnerabilities <coughs> that they have to constantly patch against. And I'm like, uh, I don't like the idea of somebody remotely controlling a phone without my permission. Yeah. Or, or Jackie myself. Like, so, so I, you know, don't do that anymore. Plus, Plus, if I if I have something like this, using it as a mobile hotspot, as opposed to the prepaid jetpack that only does LTE and doesn't uh, drop down to a different signal if it's not available, this probably will. So I may test it at mom's tomorrow if I get an opportunity, and it's probably going to work just fine. So... Um, that's the main reason I have Verizon because where's you know one of my family members lives, Verizon works best in that area. Um, out out in out in, towards Leeton, Chilhowie, it Verizon works well. Um, <laughs> pardon? Middle of nowhere, right? Oh God. Uh, um. Yeah, pretty much. But um, well, some people prefer nowhere. Um, I'm not one of them, but that's all right. So 
but in a couple of billing cycles, bill will not be as painful. I have plans to kind of maybe pay ahead a little bit on the device itself to kind of, because, you know, cutting it in half might help. Oh, yeah. Um, cutting it in the third might help. And and if 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 there's a Note 6 that comes out, I'll be like, you know what? Uh, let's see if I qualify for it. Well, it had to be available before I can try to upgrade. Because uh -huh. I kept waiting, you know, nope, no Note 5 at the store that I work at. But but then I saw the S7, and I was like, wait, you know what? I want something with expandable storage anyway, so screw it. Um, going, going with that. Um, but so I, I, it may be a day or two before I get an opportunity to try any of this stuff, but I'm kind of excited Uh I'm still in the middle of rearranging stuff to where I can set up more computers. I'll have to set up more fans because it's going to start getting warmer. So, And air conditioning doesn't reach this room as well as it could, but no complaints. I have plenty of room. So, so anyway, you mentioned updates at work what else have you been up to uh well not much really um I, I've put, let's see how many hours have i put into fallout 4 um 280 according to steam oh my goodness so i, I put a fair amount of time into into that uh, i've gotten back into minecraft a little bit i got into sit 5 a little bit too so um, I've played a fair amount of video games. I've been messing with some newer things at work, newer technology, so I'm trying to do a little more research of that here and there. Uh, Have you researched more on uh, the whole, uh, what's it called, X-Connect from AMD? X no, not X-Connect. It's something Connect where... You take the right type of cable, plug it into a USB Type-C, and you plug it into a box that has a full-on AMD video card installed. I thought you were mentioning something about that. Uh, no, I haven't, but they do have something called Mexican. I I don't remember if it was you who mentioned it or if I just stumbled upon it by accident. You may have stumbled upon that because I don't, that doesn't look familiar. I'll have to look that, look at that. Um, they're apparent, they, this is the one time where AMD teamed up with Intel and decided to standardize this to where other manufacturers can, you know, use this. Okay, I see what it is. It's, it's, it's probably something that way um, if you order, like, a laptop like the uh, Razer Blade uh, Stealth. It comes with what I forgot what Razer calls it, but it's an external box that you plug into the wall that has a, uh, a graphics card sitting inside it. And this AMD X Connect, if you have an AMD card sitting in there, it's supposed to help with the uh, bandwidth and connecting over Thunderbolt 3 
via either Thunderbolt, a Thunderbolt port, which is basically a display port, or USB Type-C, which is, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, most things now are running on, if they're using USB Type-C, it's USB 3.1, which is not quite double the speed of 3.0, but it's definitely faster. Yeah. Um, so, like, somebody could take a modern-day Ultrabook, attach it to a box like that or something similar, and at home and get, you know, full on, you know, graphics production or whatever they want to do. It won't be, it won't be, a, it won't be as nearly as powerful as that thing sitting in a desktop, but it'll be light years ahead of where you were at. So it'll be limited by the bandwidth on your connection between that, that box and then your machine. And usually since if you have the, the graphics card installed in the system, the PCI Express version 3.0 is so ridiculously fast running it uh, by 16, which is what they refer to, which is X16, so a full width of the slot, which is it's basically like 16 pins, I mean, or 16 sets of pins. It, it can run any PCI Express slot, full, full width, can run it either by one, by two, by four, by eight, or by 16. And that's basically, that's the total bandwidth out of the total uh, of what's available for that thing, which will cut it down. But it usually never affects graphics cards all that much. But if you have a graphics card installed in a box externally running through Thunderbolt, you probably have a little bit of latency in that. But it won't be much. And this box that I saw, there were external ports on it and everything. So you could treat this as a sort of a glorified part of a docking solution. Which is essentially that's what it is for gaming. Which, which that that kind of excites me. Um, and and in preparation for more more advanced stuff. Um, all my operating systems that I'm running now are 64-bit on the ones that are running at the moment on the main systems. So I'm looking like like I reinstalled Windows 10, but I put the 64-bit edition on on this desktop behind me. I'm running 64-bit Ubuntu on this one because um, I'm like, well, that way I at least can utilize every piece of RAM from, you know, the video card to the system memory without as much issue. So, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I still have a lot to work on and do. I just haven't had the enthusiasm or the opportunity to. So now that that tax season's officially over, I can, at least for my part of things, I can, now, just focus on that and other projects over the summer. Um, so, um, but you, you've you tried overclocking, had to back up a bit before it yeah. went um, I had it. I had my machine, the, the one I'm sitting on right now, which is my gaming machine. 
I had it overclocked to 4.4 gigahertz, and it was running fairly stable. I had to I had to mess with the uh, port voltage on the processor a little bit for it to be stable, so I wouldn't have rounding errors and some things like that. But once I got it um, up to 4.4 gigahertz, I had no issues up until it started getting warmer again outside, and it got pretty warm out a couple weeks ago. And my PC just shut down. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, and my liquid cooling exhausts the heat out the top. So I just put my hand over it and I felt it. And I was like, that is ridiculously hot. So I booted the machine back up right as it, as it was sitting like that. And the processor was running like 60, 65 degrees, which is what it does at full-blown load. So it was... It was just getting too hot for it, so I had to back it down and uh, make sure I had some airflow in this room. And it's fine again. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Um, I also reapplied thermal paste at one point, so I got this little tiny tube of thermal paste here. <laughs> ha- have you have you had a chance to try Ubuntu on Windows yet? Um, the Bash shell on Windows. No, I haven't. I'm I'm running a stable version of. Uh, Windows. I could sign. I've, I get all the emails for the uh, Insider program, but I haven't signed up for taking in the betas and stuff like that. I, just, I don't want to break my machine. Yeah, it's it's um, it's apparently coming upon the. It'll, it'll be in the anniversary update, and that's when the offer for Windows 10 upgrade for free expires. So. Um, uh. Which, which those who are curious, you can actually, in theory, order Windows 7 keys at a discounted price um, and use those. You, you do an install of 10. You go to change your license key, and you pop that in there um, and a few other steps, and it'll be like, hey, you want to upgrade this or blah, blah, blah. I think you can actually use use it to do a fresh install or you can convert like say home edition to pro edition which if you want to mess with Microsoft's Hyper-V type stuff you you have to have pro anyway um and it's and it's best if you're on 64 bit cuz I tried doing that on 32 bit and it just uh, it wouldn't work at all. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, that's you have to turn on developer mode too. So, uh, yeah, I was just looking at that. Because, like, how, how this thing apparently works is these are native binaries that are running. Um, Windows has a subsystem that's translating API system calls to and what have you. So so, uh, that's that's similar to how Wine operates on Linux and similar type systems. Just a translation layer and things like that. And it's actually... Um, people did benchmarks, and as long as you don't 
there's not a lot of disk IO. Um, performance is virtually the same. It slows well, down. If it's not even a translation layer, really. It's actually just Linux embedded inside Windows. Pretty much. It's the the difference here is that it's it's kind of tweaked and modified a little bit so it can work with Windows. And I don't think there's a Windows kernel involved involved, but there's no there's no such thing as a virtual machine in this case. It's not running in a Linux container. It's not it's not virtualized in any manner. It's it's, it's not running native inside Windows. It's not Sigwin either. It's nope. It's not. It's not Linux code compiled for Windows. It's just Windows and Linux, like as a sandwich, essentially <laughs> running beside each other. But Linux running inside Windows. So it's, it's that that enables the performance benefit. But yeah, I've seen those benchmarks when it comes to the I/O, and I'm not sure what the deal is with that. I'm assuming it's probably because it might be a certain Linux system call or something dealing with fi handling files that's causing a problem. Because somebody argued that the concept of this is not new, that Microsoft, during the NT days, had a Unix subsystem for Windows so that people could use POSIX-compliant stuff with it. Uh, similar to how OS2 had a subsystem that allowed you to run Windows 3X Program Manager on top of OS2, um, which, which I've actually seen in action years ago. And I'm like, huh, this is neat. Yeah, there's supposed to still be a... Um, they've, they've done a Unix subsystem in the past and some of it some of the stuff is still there you can still use it like if you run like list commands like ls or some other key depending on your version of windows it'll work yeah i like i said there and there there we and, and there's people who are people who are excited people who are just skeptical as all hell Going, there's an ulterior motive. Um, I watched one of the developers for uh, one of the people from Microsoft at their build conference, still having to do the whole spiel of uh, you know Windows is not going away. We're just going uh, with a works best with Windows approach on this, but this is available. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, even now you still have to. You have to work on people and alter their perspective and say, look, no, um, um, does Microsoft truly love Linux? Um, I'm not sure. They probably like the idea of not having to reinvent the wheel so much anymore because they use that in Azure, Azure a lot so that they don't have to... I'm starting to think that it's just, um, it's, it's not that Microsoft is trying to take over market share because they still have a large share of the market. They have 80, 90% of the market uh, wrapped up in Windows-based PCs. Uh, but I think it's a combination of the fact that they're trying to not reinvent the wheel. And they're also trying to enable 
features with Windows 10 to allow developers to take advantage of certain applications that are available in Linux that aren't available in Windows. For example, Bash. Bash is extremely powerful. And without having, without installing uh, Sigwin or um, there's, there's another version, I forgot what it is, but it comes bundled in with uh, uh, Git for Windows. If you download Git from the internet right. and it'll install Git Bash, uh, it's essentially the same, except it's tweaked in a way so it works correctly with Windows. But this new implementation is a lot, a lot more um, uh, native, so there's no, there's no difference from a user perspective. If you open up this Bash prompt, it's there you go. So, and and they they have noted it's not perfect. They still got to work on some stuff with it. But um, and, and plus, um, there's you know. Apple, of all reasons, is also a reason that they're doing this as well because Bash is available on OS X. Um, other Unix tools is available OS X. And Apple has inadvertently been cutting into their share of the development pie because you see a lot of developers with an Apple at conferences because of the Unix tools that are available for it. How many, how, how many apples have you encountered? Uh, when I went to uh, Sigsy, the conference there in Kansas City, there were, there were more Apple devices there than there were Windows devices. There were still some Windows devices um, just because of the permeation in the market, but uh, more and more, I'm seeing more and more tools and things just using Linux instead of uh, instead of Windows or Apple, just because it's free. And like for example, some of the newer applications that we're developing for this new project that I'm working on, uh, a lot of these things are running on Linux boxes, and I'm actually managing a lot of the things that are on some. Uh, deploying the applications, configuring the server so it works correctly, uh, just logging into the server to look at a log for an application, uh, doing some certain things to bring some of our development, stuff like that. And it's just, I don't see why more places aren't using Linux. I mean, I really wish I could use it for my desktop at work. It would make me so much more happy. I feel like I'd probably be more productive, um, or at least let me install Windows 10. But since since the, the company I work for, the, the security team, and just their outlook on security is just so how do I put this delicately? Um, bass backwards, <laughs> just so backwards when it comes to and regressive. Uh, for example, I have to change my password every month. And an article came out recently saying, hey, this is actually not secure. This is less secure and can cause more problems. Um, and I, I can understand the fearfulness. It's because they're not familiar with something. Um, 
and there's too much par- there's paranoia for all the wrong reasons um a- anymore the and and I'm discovering that yeah there's probably holes in say Walmart's uh, network security but the main vectors of attack is social engineering anyway um you know you you call a store and try to scam them into sending you $2,000 through the money, MoneyGram service as a test transaction, make sure everything's quote-unquote working okay. That's social, pure, plain social engineering. Um, so, you know, that that vector of attack is probably more effective than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I understand, I understand why, why, you know, they're fearful of something like this. They're, they're just, they may not be familiar with it. Um, like they may have, they may not know how to use a Linux based system or network it properly. See, that's the thing though, is that all of our, all of our applications are running in isolation, essentially, as a VM image. So right there, you already have one layer of security. We have all these firewalls and all these other security things that will prevent people from accessing things from outside. Like, I can't remote into my desktop. I can't even remote into my work machine unless I have some specific software installed with uh, some specific uh, things enabled. And I'd have to get, I have to send a request to get it done and stuff like this. And it's just, they're just so bureaucratic. It's a combination of bureaucratic and they're just archaic with a lot of their practices. Because when they were starting out, we still run mainframe applications. We use DB2 for a lot of things. We're just now moving towards things like uh, LUW, which is basically DB2, but it's on Linux, Unix, and Windows. It's what the LUW stands for. And they're finally kind of moving away from using DB2. And for some of our things, we're using more of a document store kind of uh, application. So we're using MongoDB, which is open source. So, well, and another requirement, something I've had to work on for some of our Linux boxes that I manage or help to manage anyway, I have to add some stuff from a requirement from our security team for, get this, antivirus. Right. Antivirus on Linux. The only the only time you would need that is if you were setting up something that would eventually hit a Windows machine for like transmission of files and you're wanting to set something up to kind of catch something on the way there if it's something malicious. Um any other than that, antivirus on a Linux based system is not necessary. Well, yeah, even then it it has to be written in such a way that can, it can affect a Linux system. And those viruses aren't written in that way. Some are. There are some out there, and it's getting more prevalent, but it's still it's, it's more work to make sure it can hit and affect not just Windows, but also Linux and Unix and um, 
for sex. Right. Um, and and as, as time goes on, it might be an opportunity to make a presentation or something and say, look, I understand where you're coming from. Here's why you're wasting your time with this. If this was something that was you, you're setting up to intercept something that was on the way to say normal windows machines that people at like, you know, receptionists and what have you are utilizing, then, then that would make sense. But most of these things, um, most of these things, the only worst that they're going to do is tank a single machine. The viral aspect is defeated as soon as a machine is tanked because it's right off a network and everything else. But um, the, the, vulnerabil the vulnerabilities they need to look out for more than anything. And even on Windows, viruses aren't as prevalent anymore. It's more Trojan than anything else. Um, um, spyware, more than anything else. Spyware, and there's also ransomware out there that's pretty, pretty popular now, too. Yeah. Um, uh, viruses don't have quite the effect that, you know, they used to, yet viruses could screw up a lot of things, but ransomware, you can get money out of people in illicit ways. Uh, Trojan horses, you can you know, swipe credentials for logging in to various things. Um, you get the attacker gets something out of that instead of just messing up productivity for workers. Um, Cause like I said, I, you know, I've, I've noticed more and more, um, you know, social engineering Trojans and basically spying type stuff is more of the vectors that are being used than anything else. Um, the, I think there used to be viruses that could affect hardware. I think there still are malware that can kind of affect hardware by trying to flash your BIOS, but... Um, um, it's not as common anymore. And there's uh, things that AMD and Intel both, and all, anyone that's developing... ARM-based processors, like, for example, TPM, which Intel puts into their, that Intel puts into their um, uh, Core, i7, Core i5, Core i3, usually Core i5 and Core i7 processors, the vPro editions, all have a TPM or Trusted Platform Module that basically helps with some encryption and some other things that make sure nothing's trying to taper with the hardware. It, it can make it a little bit more funky for for a user aspect, but for the most part, it's not, it's no, it never will affect the user, which is nice. Right. And, and, and for those who want to have like say core boot on a machine with an I seven instead, um, I think there is an OEM out there that basically has worked with Intel to kind of let them remove or kind of uh, bypass the TPM blocking 
that from happening. So if people want core boot on things like that, they can you know vote with their wallet. Um, I can't remember which ones they were off the top of my head, but I think it pure is in their name or something like that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's uh, mainly life and a few tech updates has been what I what I've been up to. Um, the only like I said, the only thing that I need to do with maybe the two machines I have is upgrade the power supplies in both of them. There are only three hundred watts, and upgrade the video cards to where they can take more monitors because yeah um and start setting up servers and things like that just because i can i'm also considering setting up a uh homebrew router because i saw it on ars technica i looked at the thing i said that two ethernet ports is not enough but they were just experimenting it was it was cool what they did with that. By the way, that was that was pretty. Yeah, neat. I read I read fairly far into that article. It's it really interesting. Um, I, I might do something with that in the future too because my my router that I currently have it's uh, I don't think it's quite as robust and with using maybe like a uh, Raspberry Pi or something in conjunction with some other hardware, I could probably work something together and I may do that future because then if you have like the newer Raspberry Pi 2 or the 3 I don't think there would be a difference in using one over the other but you have a quad core instead of a single core so you can anytime packets are coming through you can run that as uh, multiple threads so you can get those things processed through faster so it's not it's not necessarily going to make your internet speed faster but it'll make the router much faster and work much more Efficiently. Oh yeah. Plus, plus you can you can do things like set these. Since this has like Wi-Fi built in, you can set it up as an access point if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still going to use the other Pi. I don't know for what yet. Um, may just experiment with it and and use it to test um, just to test like uh, custom WordPress themes on a custom WordPress install on a local level just so I can because the look of the site's starting to get stale and 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 I, I, I looked at InfoWars with their layout, which, you know, yeah, they, they have a bunch of kooky nonsense on there, but their layout's fantastic. And doing a little digging, um, they, they used a, you know, they used kind of a template to, they used an online thing that, you know, made a cookie cutter template for them to alter later on. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, okay, what can I do with this? I can't, 
I can't remember what it's called. That's the bad part. Uh, and this is why I like multi-monitor now, by the way. Because oh, now, yeah. now I can move this over and I can look up. I can actually look up uh, uh, I can look up, I can look up their the name of their theme because underscores dot me um, you know thank goodness for my theme detector uh, underscores dot me basically it's create your underscores based theme. Uh, and it says I'm a starter thing called underscores or underscores if you like meant for it's meant for basically altering so don't use the parent theme basically it's 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 bare bones stuff And it has like a helpful four or four template things like that. And you know, I've been thinking about you can name your theme, um, add a theme slug, author, author URI description. There's even a checkbox that says underscore sassify. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, because I'm I'm thinking about doing doing something along those lines and just messing with it until it looks just right, and then applying that and see what happens. But I haven't figured out what I wanted to do on that yet. Um, but I guess the idea is to mess around with it until it looks the way you want it to. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. It may take a long time before that happens, but, but, but yeah, um, but the multi-monitor will help with the podcast because I can look over notes and talk at the same time instead of switching windows and go, oh, oh let me switch back. Um, and if I can help it, I may have a third monitor and have the main monitor be in the center and all that good stuff. I, now that I use two monitors at work, I really need a third because I... I have, I've got so many things running right now all at once that at one point today I was heading, I was breaking 10 gigs of usage and <coughs> having three things running in tandem and trying to compare each of them on two monitors gets to be a bit of a bitch <laughs> because I've got one window drug across both of my monitors, which are a little bit wider than my 1440p monitor, even though I have actually 
from the computer's perspective, I have more real estate on this single monitor than I do both of my monitors at work. Um, I have one window drag, drag across all, all three of, or two of them and then one maximized in each. And it was just, it was really difficult to manage and switch between them since I've got so many things running all at once. It was, it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> I really need a third monitor. My PC at work can't support it though, that's all. And, and, and speaking of work-related stuff, um, probably the reason why they are so paranoid is because this is insurance that we're talking about here. If something goes wrong, major lawsuits can happen, and they have to do everything in their power to, st- to kind of mitigate that. Um, so it, it's going to moving to something that makes more sense is probably going to take some time. Probably a lot of time. That's part of it. That's part of it. But there's, there's other things involved too. It's just that they're just, they're archaic in their thinking, their outlook when it comes to security, because there are some things they can loosen up on a lot that it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> Which, yeah. but but yeah, I, I I can see why they're doing it. Um, and like I said, hopefully hopefully things just kind of get more interesting and better. They, I'm assuming they know that they have to do some changes as a company because they they're they rearrange workspaces to kind of make it work a little bit better, communication wise. There's some things that they're getting a little bit better at. Other things are just still kind of a little bit further to go. Yes, it, the, the stubbornness, and then finally, you know, show them enough from actual experts saying, "Look, uh, this is no longer a valid attack factor. Uh, this is the emphasis now." Um, like a, a friend of mine who used to work on campus. Um, he would he he at least got to run whatever he wanted on his you know workstation, which was dual monitor, and he ran Kubuntu and I think VMware. He ran some version of Windows Server or something inside of a virtual machine. Huh. Wow. Yep. So. It's it's kind of fascinating on that, but but uh, uh, when the, and like set and you mentioned seven enterprise that's trying to see when their support end date for that is because well, because probably when that comes uh, when that comes t- to an end, uh, uh, they'll probably start considering migrating uh, hopefully it'll allow me to get something else other than Windows installed on my device. It'll be really nice. 
Yeah, um, their their extended support end date is going to be um, 2020, January 14th, 2020. Um, that that's for oh, that's for all of them. Uh, professional. Yeah. Pro, well, yeah. Yeah, because uh, like uh, service pack one is probably it says support sends twenty four months after the next service pack release, or at the end of the product support cycle, whichever comes first. Um, but yeah from professional end to embedded systems um, home premium they have a seven home basic though I've never seen that in the wild um, it's, it's I used it on my little netbook which I think I gave to you didn't I Okay. Okay. So I. Okay. I. I'm wrong. I have seen that. Then. Um. Never mind. I, I wiped it. Though. Um. I. I ended up putting Ubuntu on it at one point, which ran actually okay. I mean, other than the fact that it only had originally it had one gig of RAM and then upgraded it to two, just still didn't seem like enough. Okay, and now I know why I said I didn't see Basic in the Wild. I'm thinking of Windows 7 Starter, which which didn't really let you change your wallpaper and other stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. But, yeah, it's... But yeah, 2020, the extended support date is pretty much going to be over. So it's less than four years out. Um, and about less than two years, uh, all the self-checkouts at Walmart are probably going to have to get updated to a newer Windows 7 or new Windows-based embedded type stuff because... POS Ready 2009, their support ends in 2018, if what I read was correct. And it, it's based on XP. It's the nitty-gritty. You can't – it's not licensed to run Office or similar applications. It's just enough to get the job done. Yeah. Um, which I'm like, why don't they just run Linux? Because I see a Sigwin prompt every time it reboots and I'm like, all right, oh, it's logging into some uh, <laughs> Linux based server, probably a virtualized server somewhere. <sighs> um, so, but yeah. So, so in other words, we've been living our lives, doing various things. Um, my current significant other has is getting a new job. She starts Monday, so she she's going to be in the hole of what what am I going to do with this extra money? Oh, I know, I will have a place of my own, um, and 
and we plan on looking as of this recording, which is Tuesday, April 19th, it'll, will basically be um, looking at places tomorrow and, and I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there to point out, Hey, this might not be a good idea. Look at that corner. It's sinking into the ground, that sort of stuff or, Oh, look, there's a bunch of mold here. Um, not so sure this be a good idea, especially if a landlord decides, uh, uh, let's not do that. And, and yeah, that, that, that fun stuff be like, yeah, let's not do that. So, um, but, but yeah, that's, you know, pretty much what I've been up to after, after that, I'll probably, after this, I'll probably go to bed, <laughs> catch up on some sleep. I can't blame you. Um, and it sounds like sounds like you've been having fun with all sorts of projects at work, and hopefully it'll be interesting and fruitful. Um, uh, um, it's cool that they're using virtualization. That's actually awesome. I yeah. Um, uh, the big reason why they moved to having things virtualized was because at one point we had an issue with the power going out. And I think it was something to do with a loss of a ton of data, a combination of data loss. And uh, they, they want the applications to be reliable. So it's, it's a lot easier to spin up another instance on a virtual machine, especially with the new technologies we're using on our new projects. Like uh, there's these things out there called Chef. It's called Chef. And uh, basically you can use it in combination with something called Vagrant, or there's there's also other different ones out there if you don't use Chef, but Chef has some open source uh, alternatives and open source technology that it uses. Uh, essentially what it's doing is it'll spin up a virtual machine instance right then and there on the fly and install applications and configure it in a, such a way so it works with what you put on it. So like if you have an application that you're trying to deploy and you need like 7-Zip to work with it, it'll, it'll do all that for you if you write all these uh, things that are called cookbooks. <laughs> and then inside these cookbooks are things called recipes. <laughs> and um, I think it's because of uh, Open Source Weekly or something like that on the Twit network. I, I, I've actually heard of this. It's very, and that's very interesting. Either that it's or the, really fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that's managing our chef cookbooks for our team. So um, it was. <laughs> It was either that show or the Linux uh, Link Tech Show that I that I heard of this. So um, that I've heard good things about it. So, uh, but um, the next episode will be one, uh, number one hundred, and I'm trying to plan uh, something special including adding a custom bumper that's formulating in my head. Um, one that's going to cost people to crack up, I hope, because, you know, a little bit of humor helps. 
yeah. Um, you know, uh, maybe Donald, maybe one of the segments be Donald Trump bragging about his, you know, big, you know what, and followed up by Hulk Hogan saying, no, sir, I do not have a 10 inch penis. <laughs> yes, he actually did say that at that trial against Gawker. Um, um, I, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to tell him, look, um, when I'm in public, I'm in character from my days in pro wrestling. But Terry Vallea is a private citizen uh, whose privacy was violated. Um Terry Balea does not have a 10 inch penis. Uh, and it's just like, <sighs> it's just like, um, even the, even his attorney was like, seriously. <laughs> well, and he's been known to just slip up and say stupid shit. <laughs> oh, I, I think he blames it on the fact that he used to be a pro wrestler and, Part of that is a legitimate blame, but it's still, he's just, shit just rolls out of his mouth. He's just, in that case, and in only in that case, he's not much different than Trump. Uh, yeah, pr pretty much. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those cases where somebody who, like Jim Cornette, who wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Hogan, was pulling for him because he didn't like he didn't like a lot of the stuff that Gawker had been doing to other people. And he thought it was garbage that, you know, from his perspective, people's privacy was being violated by these people and they needed to be taught a lesson and, and they royally screwed up <laughs> by, by, by going way too far because they're the reason why uh, he is not with WWE at the moment. Because, ah. yep, because the 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 uh, racist things that he had said, um, he was on the verge of. Never mind the fact he was on the verge of suicide. Um, he was, you know, depression, everything else. Um, you know, it was. And then Vince McMahon turns around and suspends a black talent for touching him. It was the most innocent thing. And I'm like, uh, I don't get it. But, but anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, what type of stuff would you like to do for episode number 100, sir? Cause oh, that I don't know. Um, there's just so much we could do and we could talk about. I mean, it, it depends on where we want to go. Do we want to like go technology or do we want to talk about like just kind of what's happening in the world right now? Because there's, there's been so many things going on since we've talked lately. Um. So, podcasts so I mean the possibilities are endless. I think I think we need to talk it over with some of the other guys and see what they think. Like like I, I already asked Stephen Kelly. I may ask Kurt I'll probably ask Curtis in the near future. I haven't gotten a response back. Work schedules and things like that. Um 
hopefully something can be worked out because that would be that would be fairly cool. I think Curtis is back in Missouri for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. That now that he's done with, I think he's. I don't know if it's spring break or what. I thought he because it sounded like he was traveling a little bit, but um, but hopefully, hopefully something can be figured out. Um, for okay. now, what would you find? Oh, nothing. I was just agreeing with what you said. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, anyway, I'm getting sleepy. I think we've gone longer than we both anticipated. Yeah. Um, so until next time, um, you know, we'll, we'll see you or hear you or something. <laughs> see you guys later. Take it easy. Take care. <laughs>